Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who eats corn on the cob the long way. Here is the cap. Yeah, I eat it the long way, and I like it. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, we are still sipping on some ice cold, howdy cloudy beers from the good people at Tailgate Brewery. This is a New England hazy session IPA. Tailgate Brewery teamed up with the Nashville Zoo to donate a portion of the proceeds from this beer directly to their Clouded Leopard Conservation Program. Nashville Zoo is a worldwide leader in the efforts to save this vulnerable species. So enjoy Howdy Cloudy to keep you cool this summer, but also it's for a good cause. Garage grade four out of five bottle caps. And let's give some praise and thank you to our good friends that are keeping us cool in the garage today by filling up the fridge. First up, here's a shout out to Sherry, who is fine as wine, chilling in beautiful and colorful parts unknown. And by the way, Parts Unknown t-shirts available now in the garage store. And a big We Like You Jib to Bertha in Westchester, Ohio. And next up, we have Jordan Nicholson, who is most certainly on the Dean's List at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Everybody we mentioned, they went to TrueCrimeGarage.com and put some coldies in the fridge for this week's set of shows. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, B-W-E-R-U-N, Beer Run. If you're looking for our bonus content, it's in the Apple Podcast app. You can, right when you click on our show and go into our main feed, it there's a little button that says subscribe. And you just click on there, and then you subscribe, and then you get all the bonus content. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
Today, we're going to start off, Captain, with discussing the scene in more detail. Well, can we start off by a, a little round of applause for first responders getting there so quickly? Yes, first responders, thank you for getting quickly, getting there quickly. The thing, though, here is we have a lot of people that are saying, not so fast. You know, let's cheer the fire department. Let's cheer EMS for arriving quickly and attempting to save this young man's life. But there are a lot of people out there that are saying the Gallatin Police Department did not do a thorough investigation, did not do as much as they could have done to sort out this situation to figure out if this was not exactly what it was supposed to appear to be. Right. That this was maybe something other than the call that they believed they were responding to. I'll start off on this note. One, it's disappointing and aggravating to me that it appears that we have one officer's statement, one officer on the scene. We need to point out that this is a an accident scene that, that if it is in, truly an accident, resulted in the death of an individual, you would think that more you would think that more police officers would be there to look at the scene. You would think that they would spend more time at the location at the scene. From my understanding, this officer was there for about an hour after arriving. We talked about this in, in the boys on the road story in case that we did just a, a month or so ago that w when you have a vehicular death, there are police departments and agencies that have the ability to fully investigate and even try to recreate the scenario to see how it would play out, to see how the vehicle would react if we did this, to see if if the way that we found things aligns with the the, the statements that were given by the persons there. And, and in this case, just one person that says, that he was there and present. He doesn't say that he saw the vehicle take out his son. He just says that at some point he realized it was rolling backwards. He gets out of the vehicle and his, now the truck is in the ditch and he realizes his son is underneath the truck. Gallatin Police Department had a recreation expert, uh, an expert in vehicle accidents. That person was not dispatched to the scene. This person was not asked to recreate this scenario. And that, I think, is, is a huge flaw and misstep by this police department. When you have that resource in, in an area that we already covered, they don't have a whole lot of crime here. They don't even have a whole lot of vehicular deaths. So you got time on your hands. Let's use those tax dollars and those resources to figure out exactly what happened here. Let's just take a second and look at this. If I'm law enforcement, we have this horrible accident that happens at this training facility. We have people that were driving by. So my first thing, if I'm in charge, is I'm putting out to the news, hey, if you saw anything, please contact Please, we, we want to know. We want to get some other perspectives on this situation. Also, what do we know as law enforcement? 
we know that this kid has made some pretty damning allegations against his father. So that would be motive, I would think, on why you would want to murder your son. So just just that would be enough to go, hey, let's recreate this accident. Right, but that 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 in lies the problem. We I can't for a second believe that the officers responding would have any idea of those allegations. It, no, it, no, I understand that, but I'm saying But if you did an investigation, of, right, right. you would be aware of those allegations. What I'm pointing out is I'm not trying to 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 say, "Hey, police didn't respond appropriately." I'm saying that it it's reported and stated by others and I kind of agree with them that it doesn't appear that there was actually any investigation to confirm the one witness statement that you have that this is actually what went down. Now, before people get too angry and upset with me, Captain, I, I want to make sure that I don't think it was well, very I hope they get so angry with you that they cancel you. But I don't think that I was – well, then we would both be out of jobs. But I'll take the show over. I don't think that I was very clear in, in something that I was saying earlier – there were more than one police officer on scene right. that arrived in, and you know, we have a portion of this early morning where within minutes, we need to get this kid out from underneath the truck. We need to get him transported to the hospital, try to save his life. So we have office officers there during that time. We have officers. A lot of them are tending to the traffic and, and, and rerouting traffic so that we can keep the road clear to try to straighten out the situation. Now, where I'm disappointed is after all of that chaos is over, according to the report, the official police report, it sounds like there's only one officer that remains on the scene to try to talk to witnesses, to try to assess what actually happened. And I, I think that when you have a death, especially in an area where we're not talking about New York City, L.A., big cities like Dallas or, you know, that have have a lot of things to monitor that you have personnel and resources that could be applied here and that they could have stayed on scene longer and made a better attempt at figuring out what happened. Now, getting to the accident scene itself. As we told you yesterday, you can go to freedomforgracie.com and there are several photos from the accident scene that were taken that day. Well, let's try to put that link in the show notes. And what you have here is you get pictures of this truck in the ditch. And as we said yesterday, you can see the incline of the parking lot. It's a, it's a rather small parking lot, or at least from these angles of the, the pictures, it appears to be a small parking lot. It's not a terrible distance, a ter you know, terribly great distance from where Grant would have been parked to where his truck ended up. But what you have here on this website is a series of photos. And with each one, they are pointing out why this is not an accident and why this is a scene that may have been staged to cover up something else. Now, before we get into that, I do want to tackle a couple of the other air quotes, suspicious details regarding this situation. Okay. So I don't love when I see a situation where I feel like people are piling it on with, with, 
with what might be unnecessary information because I think it takes away from the really important information and evidence in a case. So one thing that I've heard stated multiple times is that, well, Aaron Solomon's statement has to be false because Grant Solomon would have never have stored his baseball gear in the bed of his truck. That it was eight, 83 degrees that morning when Grant left his home right. to get to the facility. So it's a very hot day, very hot summer day, and that any person that, that, that is a baseball enthusiast that, that plays baseball, especially at a high level, that they would never leave their equipment out, never place it in the bed of their truck, especially when he's got a large cabin. This truck, Tacoma, has a large cabin. Uh, it has a back seat. He could have placed all those items in the back seat that an athlete at this level would never put their very expensive baseball gears. If for those who don't play baseball, Google you some uh, baseball gear. It's quite expensive, but these people say that one would never put their equipment in the bed yeah. of their truck because of, due to the heat. I don't like those statements though. Cause we, we don't know the, every action or the intent of every person. We don't know if he was in a hurry, and even if he wouldn't typically do that, that maybe he just threw it in there and, and took off. The other thing, too, is like that doesn't stand to reason very well with me because last time I checked, baseball is an outdoor sport, and they're playing in the heat. So I don't know that I would make a strong argument against Aaron's statement based off of, well, he would never put it in the bed of his truck due to the heat. It was... I'm sure he's played baseball in 83, 85, 90 degree weather and that the equipment is outside. The baseball glove is on his person during the game. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But for those that say this is a cover up, that this is intentional homicide, there are some things at the scene captain that don't make sense. They don't go along with the statement given by his father, Aaron Solomon. One of those is that there's grass between the parking lot and between this rocky ditch area where the truck is found. Right. The grass that goes from that's between the parking lot that the truck would have had to roll down through with Grant underneath of it. There's no like the grass isn't pushed down. There's not obvious signs that the truck rolled that way into the ditch. There's not obvious signs that a person was drugged under a car, under a vehicle, through that grass and into the ditch. The reverse of that is people point to another picture that say, here are marks on the sidewalk. Once this f- truck is finished moving, it is it is partially on the sidewalk and the front of the truck in the ditch. Rear wheels on the sidewalk. And people point to marks on the sidewalk that are said that the left rear tire, these are tracks. These are indications that this vehicle drove forward over this sidewalk. What I won't say is that I believe that 100%. I will say that there are marks that appear that a vehicle did drive forward over that stretch of, of sidewalk. I can't say that Grant's truck made those marks but what i can say is the reverse when it comes to the grass 
yes, Grant's truck and Grant may have moved through that grass, but there's no indication in these photographs that that happened. Nothing obvious to point that that happened. The other thing that's very troubling is the statements that Grant's head was facing the parking lot and that his feet were facing the street. Now that to me and to many others does not ring true that he's standing at the back of the truck. The truck backs up over him and pulls him into the ditch. His head should have been facing the street, his feet facing the parking lot, unless he tumbled underneath the truck as it drug him into the ditch. The problem with that, though, Captain, is there's no injuries on Grant's person, according to the medical record, that suggests that he tumbled underneath the truck. So his body position doesn't align with the story. Yeah, if you're interested in this case, you you have to take a look at these pictures. And, and we'll take a lot of these pictures and pull them off the website and throw them on our social media so you can uh, see those. But it's a quad cab truck. So going back to the equipment makes more sense that you'd put it in the quad cab and not so much the the bed of the truck. But I can agree with that. You wouldn't want it to be rolling around in the bed of the truck. You uh, would prefer that it's more secure in the quad cab. We do have several people that have stated that Aaron Solomon has changed his story in that regard, that, that no, uh, oh, I, I must be mistaken. He might've gone back to the rear door rather than to the tailgate to retrieve his, his gear. The problem for us here in the garage, captain, we can only report and make an opinion on the, the evidence as it is, as that we can view with our own eyeballs. People can give those statements, but we've not heard Aaron say that. We've not heard Aaron change his story on record, and we've not witnessed or or reviewed a another written statement that is different other than the one we have. Pictures of the crime scene so important, but I'm going to play devil's advocate again. Look at this parking lot. This is not like a parking lot that is hidden away from a major road. There right. And that's a why a lot think- of people passing by. A very, and it's not like this ditch was hidden. This ditch is towards the main road. So to, it becomes very difficult because you go, if, if he's going to commit a crime, he is making. He is committing a crime out for everybody to see. But again, most of the time people don't plan to murder someone and most, in most homicides it's reactionary. Good point. And again, that's what I, I don't think that anybody, or at least I don't believe that, that Aaron Solomon is like, Oh, once we get to that parking lot, I'm going to kill that kid. And here's my plan. No, I don't think that's what happened at all. If, if Aaron is responsible for the death of his son, his son died due to a severe head injury. Right. Severe head injury is super reactionary when we have an altercation between two individuals. 
person A picks something up that's heavy and hard and strikes person B in the head or face with it, resulting in the death of the individual, but it's reactionary. The person may have taken a swing at the other person, not even with the intent to kill, but the attempt to just the intent to attack or lash out at them. Right. And so if in fact, Aaron is responsible for the death of his son, I think what we're we're examining here is he reacted. There's an altercation, verbal altercation that leads to some kind of physical attack. And then all of a sudden we have person A who's going, holy shit, I have to cover this up now. What can I do? What can I do? Oh, I could put him in the ditch and, 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 and drive the truck over him. Uh, it'll look like it'll look like the truck rolled over him. The other thing too that's difficult about this situation again, no eyewitnesses. And I get what you're saying. Yes, this looks like a busy road, and this parking lot's not close to the road. It's not far from the road at all. But these are people. The people on the on the street are going to work. They're going 35, 40 mile an hour. They have places to go. And it would if in fact this is an accident and the truck rolls over Grant. They're likely going to see passer buyers may see the truck rolling backwards. They're not going to see somebody underneath the truck. And it's only going to take a split second for that truck to start. It, that truck weighs about 4,000 pounds. So if it's not in park or once it starts to go and go backwards on this incline, it's going to move rather quickly. And it's going to, whatever's in its path, it's going to knock it down and either drag it or pass over it rather quickly. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money. 
with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. All right, we are back. 
Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers to everybody out there, especially the people in the back. Look, we try to stay water in this situation, right? We're, we're two guys standing on the fence, the fence that is divided. Or light beer. A community here, mm-hmm. uh, people that say this is intentional homicide, people that say that this is an accident. Staying water and looking at this situation, some of these pictures, the state of the truck to me looks like it was involved in the exact accident that Aaron Solomon is saying that it happened. I mean, if you look at the the bumper, the damage to the rear bumper, the damage to the rear of the truck, it looks to me and makes sense to me that that truck went down the incline backward, hit those, hit that ditch with the rocks. And when it was, so the, the truck is going to take the shape of the incline itself, right? It's going to be at the same angle as the incline itself. And when it hits that ditch, that the damage to the back of that truck looks to me like it hit that ditch going backward into the ditch. So that would stand a reason with Aaron's statement that he gives to police. But I just want to point out that that damage to that vehicle would happen whether there was a driver in there or not. The other thing that is interesting, too, that also points to confirm Aaron's statement is the rocks that are seen in the devil's strip, right? That 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 strip of grass between the curb of the road and the sidewalk. Right. There are several rocks that are of the exact same size of the rocks in the ditch that have now, due to the truck going backward into that ditch, have kicked them up into that grassy area behind the truck. So those are some physical things that we can see in these photos that would say or suggest to somebody like me, a garage guy, that that truck did exactly what Aaron Solomon said it did. The thing here is, though, and the thing that I want to keep circling back to is that I'm a garage guy, captain, garage guy. Guess what? Not vehicle accident scene experts. So we can form an opinion. We can deliver our opinion based off of what we are seeing here. But just know we are not experts in this realm. Guess who is? A person that worked for the Gallatin Police Department who was never dispatched to this scene. So we should not be sitting here three years later with all these questions. This should have been determined by somebody who has the expertise, the knowledge, the education, the resources to form an exact expert opinion, opinion that actually matters in this case. You wouldn't have to be sitting here listening to two, two garage guys talk about the, the accident scene or crime scene, murder scene. If we had that expert there at the scene to assess the situation and document everything. I'm going to sound like Captain Repeat, but if I'm law enforcement, why isn't the officer staying there longer and doing a more thorough investigation of the scene? Exactly. But let's say that's just a mistake. Okay. But now, once they rush him to the hospital and we know he died, now we need to investigate this a little further. How did he die? Blunt force trauma to the head. Okay, well, there could have been an altercation. Did his father cause this blunt force trauma? 
and then try to cover it up? Why is the body not found in the position that you'd think the body would be found in? Exactly. Where's these other eyewitnesses? Where's the statements from the first responders? Where's an investigation into the well, father's there, background? There was no investigation in this accident. And that that's where I'm saying it makes it very difficult for us to have a strong opinion because we're not qualified to give that opinion. No, the, but that's the per, what but that, the person what I'm that saying is, is was not dispatched to the scene. Right. No. And, and that's what I'm saying is so frustrating. It's because no investigation, maybe the day of, maybe that's a mistake, but no investigation at all. Huge mistake. And, and, and I don't think this kid deserved this. I don't think Grant deserves, especially once you find out, once you hear that this guy was going to take his father to court to get custody, custody of his sister, these are horrible accusations. Again, though, we're asked to examine this. And the problem is what's the proof of that? We don't have Grant to tell us, yes, that's my intention. That's what I was going to do. We have hearsay. We have other people saying, well, that's what was going to be done. That's what Grant's intentions were. Right. If there was an actual court date, if there was an actual attorney that was hired to do so, if there were steps, because you don't just wake up one day and go, taking dad to court, We're see you at 10 a.m., bro. No, it don't work that way. You have to take steps to get to those court proceedings I need to see that those steps were taken to confirm that that was this young man's intent, that that was his intentions. Yeah, or if I'm law enforcement, I talk to the family. They say, well, that's his intent. Well, let's now talk to his to friends of Grant. And are they saying the same thing? I mean, it's just, uh, it's very tragic. So what we have here regarding the medical information to Grant's injuries and to his death is that you end up with a bruise on his upper thigh, a bruise to his hip, a, a blow to the jaw area, and a single fatal blow to the back of Grant's head. And there are no other injuries listed on this medical report. Now, I want to point out here, first off, that a Fatal blow, single fatal blow to the back of Grant's head makes total sense to me when you tell me that this car, this vehicle starts to go down the incline, backs over this individual who is getting his gear out of the back of the truck and knocks him down and he smacks the back of his head on the blacktop on the concrete. And that is the, that is the shot that killed him. Makes sense to me. The problem then becomes, again, his head is facing the parking lot and street in shoes and feet facing the street. That doesn't make any physical sense to me. That doesn't seem to, to ring true with the statement given to police. So I question that big time. I, I the other part though, there there's uh, an argument that the Aaron once at the medical facility told told the doctors no we don't need an autopsy you know doesn't want further investigation into the death of his son because he's trying to cover up the murder right so so but the problem is when you review the report it's permission for post-mortem examination and your 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 options here for the medical personnel to fill out and put an x next to which one is granted 
refused, not requested. They put an X next to not requested. Not requested and telling them not to do an autopsy are two very different statements. Right. Two very different statements. What if what if father was never asked, do you want an autopsy or can we perform an autopsy? According to the medical personnel who may not have a dog in the fight, they check the box that says not requested. Well, this is a good point. Let's stay on this point for a second because we, we see this with a lot of cases, especially when there's some controversy over the, the, the findings of a case. One side goes, no, 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 you got to remember it's evidence, 100% evidence, 100% true. The father said, hey, we don't need to look into this any further. If that is 100% true, that's pretty damning, right? But we don't have any proof that that's 100% true. And a lot of these cases, especially, you know, a lot of these true crime cases, when there's sides, the sides start making up what is factual evidence. Or exaggerating. Yes. Right. You know, because it, because by doing that, they get to prove their point. Right. And that's where I wanted to see court proceedings in order in, in steps taken in that manner here, permission for postmortem examination granted, refused, not requested, not requested is the box that's checked. If it was refused, the medical, the medical personnel would have checked the box of refused. Then the next line on this report, medical legal autopsy requested options for the medical personnel to check. Yes or no. Just says no. Right. doesn't mean that the father was asked. It doesn't mean that the father came running into the room going, whatever you do, don't do an autopsy. We're against it. It just says requested. No, it was not requested. It could be a conversation that was never had. Now, if we want to point the finger mm -hmm. at some possibly wrongdoing or uh, again, a misstep again, garage guy, humble garage opinion here, but this I'm echoing what a lot of people in the medical field, a lot of doctors and nurses will tell you that is standard procedure in many jurisdictions, many counties and states across this great land that when a person of this age dies, 18 year old young man, perfectly healthy, not just perfectly healthy. I mean, goodness, an athlete, a, a, a a somewhat gifted athlete as well. We're talking about six foot three, very healthy Grant Solomon dies at a young age. Again, it's typical, it's protocol, it's normal procedure in many areas that an autopsy is conducted. That did not take place here. I cannot guarantee that it would have gave us a lot of evidence one way or the other, but again, when these measures are not taken, these steps are not taken, it's hard to sit here and say what it could have indicated for us, what it could have told us, what that information could have honed in on. Well, this case to me, is, it's, it's tragic on three levels. One, you have a Grant, 18-year-old, just starting his adult life, seems to be a good kid, promising opportunities, and his life is taken too short. The other tragedy here is that law enforcement doesn't investigate this suspicious death. Lay to rest some of these rumors. 
you have some of these answers or you had the ability to get these answers and you didn't do so. And that is what the public ultimately pays you for is serve and protect. And some people believe that you didn't protect the rights and the justice of this 18-year-old individual. The other tragic thing here is, and it's a very difficult watch, and I'm not even suggesting that you watch it, but... uh, It's powerful and difficult all at the same time. But like we said, Grant, at 18 years old, is going to get or try to get custody of his sister because... He is claiming that she was abused mentally, physically, emotionally, sexually, every kind of abuse from her father. And she has made a video of this and 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 put out her claims out to the public. Yes. So she makes it. Gracie makes a uh, YouTube video where she is reading a letter that that she wrote or reading a document that she constructed of her own words that is explaining the years of abuse from her father. And it's on a scale one to 10, it's all levels of, of that. She hits all levels when she's talking about throughout her lifetime. Here's this item where you're going, okay, well that's not such a big deal, but again, not in her shoes. And then there's other items that she brings up and you're like, my God, that is terrible. But she, in 2021, makes this YouTube video of her talking about the abuse that she suffered at the hands of her father. And this is a year after the death of her older brother. And if these allegations, accusations are in fact true, like we pointed out in the trailer yesterday, Grant may have thought he was the last line of defense for his little sister. And if, in fact, he was going to take his father to court to try to gain custody of his little sister, because that's that's the big part of this murder and accusation, right? That not only did he kill his son, but he killed his son to silence him. Right. And therefore, that implies that he's silencing him because this abuse was real. Again, we sit here and we try to examine this stuff secondhand with no firsthand knowledge ourselves and try to make heads or tails of it. Now, why did did the father have custody instead of the mother or instead of having shared custody? This divorce looks to me like a big mess, and a large part of it appears that Aaron, who is, look, he's successful, he's educated. His wife, successful and educated as well. But Aaron is a anchor, news anchor for 14, 15 years in this community. And he is presenting a story that his ex-wife, during the court, he files for a divorce. The next year, that divorce is granted. Then he gets custody of his son and his daughter. We all have heard of situations or even witnessed situations where one parent wants to take the kids just to destroy the other parent, just to, to make their life miserable because things didn't work out. We've, we've seen that. That could be the situation here. Or 
what Aaron is saying, and I don't want to go too far down this road, Captain, because I think we could do three hours on the relationship between mom and dad here and the speculation on statements that were made by both about each other over the years. But to keep it short and sweet, again, we don't know if this is true or not, but the statements basically boil down to Aaron saying that my ex-wife is crazy, she's a drug addict, she's an unfit mother, and therefore you, court system, should award me custody of my children. Then years later, after Grant is dead or, or, or after Grant is killed, after his death, people were saying, well, during the course of that custody, dad-only custody, that dad is verbally, physically abusive to the son, and then all kinds of abusive to the daughter, treating her almost like a wife or sexually abusing her at times rather than a little girl. The thing here, the, the thing that when I look at this case that makes my blood boil, I cannot tell you if Angie Solomon is all of the things that Aaron Solomon said she was. Right. Or if that she is all of the things that Aaron Solomon seems to have been able to convince the courts that she was. Those could all be true for all I know. I've never had a conversation with the woman. I think they're probably exaggerated, maybe even lies, but I don't know that for sure. So maybe the courts were right to award Aaron custody of these kids. I also don't feel like I can sit here with 100% certainty convinced one way or another that this was a murder or an accident. Right. And look, the the people that want to fight for Grant, fight for Gracie, fight for Angie, they're going to be very upset with me saying this. I'm just a guy being honest with you. I've looked at all of the evidence and I can see evidence that supports both theories that this is a homicide, that this is an accident. But again, if we would have just had that damn expert there to determine that for us, we wouldn't have to make that assessment. Here's the other thing that I want to point out. Even if this was an accident, don't we live in a world where this could have been a straight-up vehicle accident, tragic accidental death of Grant Solomon and Aaron Solomon is still sexually abusing his daughter? Don't we live in a world where Angie Solomon is just as crazy and addicted to drugs as he said that she was and he was still abusing his daughter? Yes. I don't think we need to make an assessment on those items for one of these crimes to be true. Yeah, and if you watch her video, I mean, my my takeaway from it is I have no reason to not believe that what Gracie is stating on those, what Gracie is stating during that video is, is true. And so why aren't there charges being brought to against her father? Gracie in that video is approximately 15 years of age. The, 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 the just sheer shame and embarrassment in, in having to put together that statement and then release it to the world For her to to stand up over that potential shame and embarrassment, God bless her. That's not an easy thing to do. 
She's 15 approximately at the time of that video. She's 14 at the time of her older brother's death. And that took place in 2020. The divorce was finalized and custody given to Aaron Solomon in 2014, six years prior. She has made claims, Gracie has made claims that he was in some forms sexually abusing her at a very young age. And all of this carrying through up until around the time of Grant's death. I'm with you, Captain. I I can't see anything in that statement other than I I believe this little girl. And the, the other problem I have is these allegations of abuse by Gracie were presented to her school at different courses at different times in her life. There's documentation to back up my previous statement. And I want to live in a world, of course, where parents don't abuse their children. But what do we tell our kids? That if someone is abusing you, if someone is harming you, if somebody is doing something to you that you don't like or that they shouldn't do, who do you go to? You tell mom or you tell dad or you tell them both. Right. But it takes a village, people. And what do we tell children that are not ours? If your abuser is one of your parents, you should be able to go to your school officials and tell them, I want to live in a world where when that abused child goes to those school officials and reports this and says, you know, the stuff my dad does, it's weird and it's hurting me and I don't know what it is. I want to live in a world where those school officials take it to the next level, take it to the next step and do something about it. Not turn the child away, not hand them back into the arms of their accused abuser. If that abuse is true, this community failed this little girl. Well, I'm thankful for all the listeners to allow us for this to be our job because it's a subject that obviously we're both fascinated with, but this case was very difficult, especially with the... Abuse allegations. Yeah, yeah. With, with the Gracie video is, is very difficult. But where where we stand today is, again, why no investigation in, into this death? And also where we stand as far as where Gracie is concerned, she is, she is not in the custody of her mother. She is in the custody of DCS. So, again, when we have these accusations by Gracie, why aren't, is there we have these allegations against the father is there being a is there an investigation being looked into to these allegations exactly and look we all want to live and raise our families in a nice neighborhood in a in a nice community gallatin tennessee is a nice community nice area Franklin, Tennessee, nice area where these people live and, and worked. And the thing is, we want to live in these nice areas and these nice communities for resources that can prevent a murder or investigate a homicide, investigate this death, investigate these abuse alleg- allegations. And none of these resources seem to have been utilized in this situation. It seems very backwards to me. 
I can't sit here and make a full assessment or form a great opinion of what I confidently believe happened in Grant Solomon's death. I can't form a great confident opinion in what happened in their divorce or who was right or who was wrong or who should have had custody of the children. But what I can sit here and say is that the, the, the abuse allegations, the reports to the school, the reports to other people that could have stepped in seem to have sidestepped this situation rather than looking at it in the eye and facing it head on. I encourage every one of you to go to freedom freedom4gracie.com, freedom, the number four, gracie.com. Look at the information there. It is a very one-sided website, but you can look at the information and do just what we did here. We didn't fall on the side of homicide with everything that we reviewed from their website. Go there and form your own opinions on these, on the information that's presented there. And more importantly, one thing I do want to give the website kudos for and the people that put this website together, that they do offer resources to those out there, quick reference resources to those out there that if you have suffered any abuse or know someone that has, if you or someone you love is the survivor of sexual abuse, rape, or incest, do know that you can call Rain which is R-A-I-N-N, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network at 800-656-4673. Or you can visit their website to chat with a counselor. We're not saying that there can be charges brought in the death of Grant, and we can't say that there should be charges brought in the abuse of Gracie. But what we can say with certainty is, is there should be proper investigations into both allegations. What a fascinating case. We want to know your thoughts, so go to truecrimegarage.com. Leave those thoughts on the blog page. Colonel, do we have any recommended reading for the beautiful listeners? This week, Captain, we are recommending Solving Cold Cases, Investigation Techniques and Protocol by Joe D. Kennedy and Hogan Hilling. Solving a cold case is extremely difficult, and many are left unresolved. This is a book by retired NCIS special agent Joe Kennedy talking about how he solves cold cases. It includes details, the methodology that he created to solve cold case murders. He offers an in-depth, behind-the-scenes look into why cases go cold, how they are investigated, and what is needed to successfully resolve them. This book provides detectives and true crime enthusiasts the tools to investigate cold cases in their own communities. Check out Solving Cold Cases, Investigation, Techniques, and Protocol by Joe D. Kennedy and Hogan Hilling. You can find that great title and many other wonderful recommendations on our recommended page, truecrimegarage.com. And until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter.
Swing into Seaside Golf in Ocean City, Maryland. Play like a pro at 17 championship courses designed by golf legends like Jack Nicklaus and Arthur Hills. Tee off on sweeping vistas at Eagle's Landing. Savor the coastal views of Lighthouse Sound. Or see why Ocean City Golf Club is considered one of the Mid-Atlantic's finest fairways. Whether you're sneaking in a quick round on a family vacation or going all-in on a golf getaway, fun is always in play at Ocean City, Maryland. Plan your trip at OCOcean.com.